Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Let me ask you a question. How many different ways can a person be smart? How many different ways can a child be smart? Is there only one way to be smart, or are there multiple ways to be smart? Well, recently I came upon a uh, book that had a chapter or so on this particular topic, and it caught my attention. The book was entitled, The Way They Learn, referring to children, and it was a way to discover the strengths of children, and written by Cynthia Tobias. Now, she's with Focus on the Family as a uh, frequent uh, participator, and she has her own radio show, and um, enjoys uh, writing, and uh, being on television, and on radio, and being interviewed, and promoting this particular point of view, that there is more than one way to be smart. Now, that comes on the heels of some other research that has come to my attention uh, some years back and called The Seven Kinds of Smart. So what we have now are a number of writers, a number of researchers that are looking for ways to understand this thing we call intelligence. Now, we've all grown up with the idea that intelligence is a list of qualities that relate to school success being able to read, having basic math, being able to write, you know, being able to think and read and understand what one reads. We call it verbal intelligence. And that's been always the basis of predicting how well a child will do in school, how well a high school student will do going to high school. The higher the score, the more likely the success. And that's been the gold standard for years. Now, recently we come upon a couple authors, and uh, one of these is a Harvard professor, Howard Gardner. Now, Howard Gardner uh, wrote the book Frames of Mind. And in that book, he outlines seven different kinds of smart, seven different kinds of being intelligent. And uh, trying to turn down the idea that you either smart or you're not, or that you're smart in one particular way, or not at all. And um, he promotes these seven different ways of being smart. Let me just identify them and outline them for you so that you can kind of get the idea of this. And maybe it equates, or maybe this relates to you. Maybe this relates to your children. Maybe this relates to the people that you know in your family. Maybe your entire family is smart, but in different ways. Maybe you really don't have anybody in your family that's dumb or unintelligent or whatever term one wants to use. Maybe all your kids, maybe all the people in your family are smart, but they're smart in very different kinds of ways. What are they? Well, Dr. Gardner uh, identifies one and he calls it the linguistic intelligence. Now that's close to what we've always understood about general intelligence of words and language and being able to write, being able to speak, being able to debate, being able to read, uh, you know, kind of becoming a journalist, if you will, being a teacher, being a poet, being an author. That's in linguistic intelligence. It's verbal abilities. And um, it's the kind of intelligence that um, we usually use to uh, get through life verbally, using our verbal skills, our debate skills, our discussion skills, understand other people verbally. They understand us. Having relationships with people where you can relate through words, being assertive, being open, being uh, forthright, and promoting yourself, and promoting ideas, and promoting products, and promoting a way of life by describing it, discussing it, uh, letting other people become part of your life through your display of your life, through the words that you choose to describe it. That's linguistic intelligence. Now, there's a lot of kids that are smart linguistically. They write, they read, they uh, write poetry. You know, they have the survivor skills of being smart. 
and um, developing their abilities on linguistic skills, developing their success, their achievement on their linguistic skills. Okay, here's a second one, what he calls the logical mathematical intelligence. Logical mathematical intelligence. Such people have generally pretty good ability to reason, to argue, to debate, to discuss, uh, to enter into thought of various ideas and uh, promote those ideas and defend those ideas and promote them through sales or promote them through argument and debate and through discussion. Such people often become lawyers and become uh, people who are teachers and professors. Logical mathematical intelligence. Such people often become bookkeepers. They become CPAs. They, they, be, they, they work in the field of mathematics. They work in the field of arithmetic. They work in the field of, of finance. They can understand the idea of national debt. They can understand the idea of balancing a checkbook. They can understand the idea of a balanced budget. That's logical, mathematical intelligence. And there are kids who, from early years, seem to line themselves up with that kind of intelligence, with that kind of, of interaction with the world in which they live. They talk, they debate, they discuss. And they know math. They always get A in math. They can do algebra and they can do geometry and do trigonometry and, and on down the line. They have that kind of intelligence. And that leads them into the field of finance of some form, usually as employment. Okay, that's number two. Here's number three. He calls it spatial intelligence. Spatial intelligence is kind of looking at a picture. Being able to understand the world through visual presentation by uh, mental pictures, by imagining uh, something and then carrying it out or drawing it or representing it or describing it and telling it and sharing it with others. But they learn through the visual world of spatial relationships, the distance of one uh, object to another. They can put things in perspective. They can create. They can be artistic and do perspective art of you know various kinds. They often become architects, they become drafting, uh, drafters, and they become mathematical drawing experts, maybe carpenters even, if you will. In other words, spatial intelligence is a natural ability to see, to be able to see what something could be easily achieved and what it is and describe that for somebody else. They know how to do puzzles, they know how to manipulate objects and uh, make different things out of them. They know how to play with flattened cubes and uh, various forms of, of um, manipulation of objects. So that's spatial relationships. Distance of one from another. Maybe even like a race car driver. They can tell the distance they are from another car, even going at high speeds. Now here's another form of intelligence, according to Dr. Gardner. He calls it musical intelligence. Musical intelligence. In other words, you express yourself through rhyme, through melody. Uh, you, you have a gift for music. You have an ear for music. You might even have perfect pitch yourself. Being able to relate to the world through uh, some form of poetry and maybe put it into musical format. Uh, being able to tap their feet. Being able to have different uh, rhythm. Uh, appreciate musical scores of various kinds. Create musical scores. That's musical intelligence. In other words, such people are drawn to music. They're drawn to music in their home, at school. They listen to music all the time. They're very much tied up in the musical world. And schools help these kids become even more intelligent when they have music in the school curriculum. 
But unfortunately, many schools have eliminated music from their school curriculum and deny such children the opportunity to develop their musical intelligence. That's a sad part. That's a sad part. School districts should not cut their budget in the area of music. Music is a form of intelligence. It's a type of intelligence. There's a certain segment of kids who are smart using music as a means of interacting with the world around them, understanding the world around them, expressing the world around them, and expressing their own thought and their own feelings through music. Here's another form of basic intelligence, according to Dr. Gardner. He calls it bodily kinesthetic intelligence. Bodily kinesthetic intelligence. That means you can clap your hands according to some kind of a rhythm. That means you have hands that you use for carpentry. Use hands to paint and draw. Use hands to catch balls and throw balls and become athletic. In other words, it's being smart, but maybe through a physical means of your body agility, your body balance, your body uh, movements of various forms, dance and uh, sports. In other words, there's a different kind of academic intelligence. And these people are just as intelligent as anybody else, but they're smart in the field of bodily balance, bodily kinesthetics, to feel, to sense, to touch, to understand the world through touch and through movement and through the use of their hands and the use of their bodies. They might become actors. They might become actresses. You see? The various forms of art in life. So that's bodily kinesthetic intelligence. In other words, every athletic kid is not necessarily, not necessarily um, lacking in ability, not necessarily unable to achieve. It, the point is that he makes his achievement primarily through the use of his body and the movement of his body. Okay, here's another one, interpersonal intelligence. In other words, these are the people who are social. They have words. They have the gift of words. They have the gift of expressing themselves. They know how other people feel. They express how they feel. They become part of an interpersonal world of socialization, social groups of various kinds. They lead groups. They involve themselves with groups. And they become people who enjoy and look for the opportunity to interact with somebody else, to meet somebody new and become part of their, that person's life. Interpersonal intelligence. They become salespeople, as an example. Maybe radio hosts, as an example. Maybe become politicians, as an example. And then lastly, here's another form of intelligence, what he call intrapersonal intelligence. Intrapersonal intelligence. That's people who understand themselves. They live in a world of solitude. They live in a world of being uh, an introvert. They understand their own feelings, and they're very concerned about their own feelings. They want to reflect. They want to meditate. They want to enjoy solitude. They want to think. They want to do yoga. They want to do various forms of meditation. They develop their own self-concept by internal belief and internal thinking and just understanding their own feelings and understanding their own thoughts and having a sense of who they are for themselves and enjoy a world of aloneness, a world of loneliness perhaps even but a world in which they live by themselves and express themselves. So there you are, seven forms of being smart. Now, one of those may be you. Two or three of them may be you. One or two or three of those may be your children. Every person may have one area of being smart, but may have two or three areas of being smart. It's like a collage. It's like a combination of being smart, bringing together two or three different skills and abilities, and then using that as a way of making life work making success of life, being an achiever in life, bringing together a, a balanced format of different kinds of 
smartness or intelligence and ability and skill. So don't look down upon somebody who is not very bright in one area, but maybe very bright in another area of their life. So thanks for joining me, and uh, I encourage you to go to my website, www.booksbyhedberg.com. Get the book there, Doctor, Teach Me to Parent. Good book as we talk about these kinds of issues in the parenting process. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.